tweet at Today SOR. Human trials for a COVID-19 vaccine have begun in several countries, but how long is the process going to be and when might might we actually see the delivery of a safe vaccine in a moment? I'll speak to Anne Moore, Senior Lecturer in Biochemistry at University College Cork. She works in the area of vaccines and immunotherapies. But first, lots and lots of reaction today to a comment from the US President Donald Trump at last night's media briefing. He raised the possibility of UV light, uh, ultraviolet light and disinfectant as antivirus measures. Supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or in some other way, right? And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection? But it sounds, it sounds interesting to me. Anne Moore, you are a lecturer in biochemistry. Does it sound interesting to you? Um, well, uh, the short answer is no. And I think most of your listeners, Sean, will know that uh, ingesting or inhaling bleach or other um, poisonous substances will actually fill our A&Es with, uh, with poison uh, cases rather than, than curing anything to do with coronavirus. And the idea of using UV internally, we already have enough complications with getting enough ventilators to patients. So I don't think that neither of those are a runner. Yeah. And... Uh, I mean, is there anything in, in the scientific community or effort that's going on at the moment that bears any relationship with what we heard just there? I know it's only a short clip from a long uh, news conference, but it bears any relationship to what he was getting at there? No, no. Um, nobody would would dream of, of looking at uh, um, bleaches or detergents to, to inhale so, them or to, to take them. I mean, ultimately, maybe what he's referring to is making an antiviral that will kill the virus um, and there's a lot of work going on in that area but that has to be done in a safe manner and it has to be highly targeted against the virus. Right so leave the J's fluid and the Dettol under the sink and the ultraviolet oh, yes. light in the top shelf if you happen to have one fine. Now uh, on the subject of vaccine trials and where have these trials begun and what kind of progress have you been able to observe? Well the trials I think the first trial started in in Washington and that was with the kind of new kid on the block when it comes to vaccines which is a an RNA vaccine. Um, more recently, uh, the University of Oxford um, have started their trials with a, a vaccine platform that's based on adenovirus. Um, and that's the first volunteer, the first two volunteers were immunized yesterday. Um, so the, the kind of more genetic type vaccine platforms are, are up and running. And then there are efforts to start with other vaccine platforms that are based on just taking the protein itself and mixing it with an immunomodulator called an adjuvant and injecting that into the body. So, yeah. And is there a collaborative worldwide effort going on or are labs working independently of each other and there's a race on to be the first to make the breakthrough? There's quite a lot of collaboration and crosstalk as to um, what the best responses might be and the best assays, biological assays, to monitor vaccine responses and also to manufacture uh, whichever vaccine or number of vaccines, maybe three to four vaccines that might be successful. And there's a lot of coordination and collaboration to, to, to mass manufacture those. I guess there's still the um, know-how that's kept internally as to the the uh, what the sequence is and the best way of manufacturing it on a small scale. So there's, there's a bit of both. Yeah. Now, my very limited understanding of a vaccine is that you put a weakened form of the virus into the body and the body produces antibodies. Now, I know that's simplified, but 
essentially, is that the basis for these current trials? There's there's, there's those kind of vaccines that are still being produced, but really what we're looking at is a more uh, modern way of doing it, which is taking part of the the genetic sequence of the coronavirus and putting it into a a safer um, uh, platform such as an adenovirus that doesn't, um, it, it can get into one cell, but it can't then proliferate in the body and it can't produce new virus particles. It will just deliver the genetic code for coronavirus proteins to the body, but as part of being that platform, you also stimulate a little bit of the immune response so that it knows to go there and to look at that coronavirus protein and produce the best uh, response. And which could be could be antibodies, and as well as that, it could be the other side of the house, which is our, our T cells. Right. Um, is there a particular profile of the kind of people on whom it is safe to do the um, the human trials? Yeah, so at the moment, um, safety is is, absolutely, is is the very first thing we need to look at. So for these trials, we will look at healthy adults, so the ages between 18 and 55 years old, so that you're not putting people at risk that may not need to be at risk and, and generating the initial confidence that the vaccine works in most of the population. And really, it's all about building up the confidence and the safety and the potency of the vaccine and then hopefully looking at the efficacy of the vaccine as well to show that it does protect against virus infection. Once that's done, you then do need to go to other populations, the elderly who are very much at risk. And the downside of the elderly is that um, their immune response, as we all get older, our immune responses start getting a little bit um, tired and don't respond as well. So we need to be able to show in that, that elderly population that it works as well. And how many people would need to participate in a trial before it could be approved by the authorities and then go into production? That's a very good question. It really depends. We're we're at the mercy of of nature to some extent. You need to be able to show that your vaccine will protect a population compared to a placebo, compared to a vaccine that isn't against um, uh, coronavirus. And to do that for this particular virus, where we don't have a good challenge model that we can we can use in the lab with humans, we have to show that um, in the community, people who got the vaccine are protected. But that depends on how much virus is circulating in the community. So we need to find areas where, unfortunately, for the community, there are high levels of infection. But then we have to have the confidence. So we need to know from a statistical perspective, did it work or didn't it work? So... It depends. If if there's a lot of infection, we don't need as many people. If there's little infection, we need more people and the trial will go on longer. And, and might that arise if, if, for instance, the measures that have been taken to uh, push back any kind of peak and we've been reasonably successful so far here, but without mm-hmm. uh, any need for complacency. We'll hear about that a little later. But uh, essentially, if there's not a whole lot of it around, it takes longer for the thing to be authenticated. Exactly. And for us to have that statistical confidence that it does work. Now, one thing people are perhaps a bit perplexed by, because of the urgency of this and because people's jobs and their lives and so forth and you know, their lifestyles are so affected by it, why does it need to take as long as 12 to 18 months before we could look forward to a vaccine becoming widely available? Well, it's the, the first thing is, you know, in these clinical trials, these early clinical trials, we just have to wait for the immune response to be generated. We then need to analyse the results, which we can do quite quickly. But then the, the, the next constraint is um, mass manufacturing uh, these vaccines. It does take a lot of effort to build all these manufacturing facilities, hire people in, train them, have all the documentation, the regulatory documentation that's needed to produce 
millions of doses. And then one of the key issues that we really need to start thinking about at this stage is access to the vaccine. And how do we prioritise globally who has access to that vaccine? And that was an issue during the last um, pandemic, the influenza pandemic in, in 2010. So we need to start thinking about and from our perspective, from the technical perspective, we're working on how to use lower doses and how to stabilise the vaccine so that it can, and how to administer it in a very, very easy format so we can reduce the cost and reduce the logistics. But there's also a, a kind of international healthcare diplomacy that needs to go on as well to, to ensure that, that there's equitable access, that countries can uh, purchase that vaccine and get it into their countries. Okay, look, my thanks to you for joining me with all of that. Um, Very interesting insights. Anne Moore, Senior Lecturer in Biochemistry at University College Cork. We'll be talking about the Leaving Cert and about lockdown complacency after this break.